One arcade couch, the best place to chill with your friends and get your gaming goodness every Saturday. My name's Dylan Blight, and joining me on the couch this week, Ashley Hobley. Hey Dylan, excited to be talking about the games that came out last week, not the ones that came out yesterday. That's right. We are recording this on Friday, right? So the day before the episode releases. And out today, Fire Emblem Free Houses. Wolfenstein yep. Youngblood. I'm sure other things ha- too. Uh, buddy TM Pass. With the Buddy TM Pass. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, we're not going to talk about either of those other than this brief section where we make a joke about how Yeah, we why don't you release your games on Monday? Them. Well, you know, send them to me early. <laughs> well, we don't. don't. <laughs> Let's not go crazy. <laughs> One way or another, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you, get you, get you. Today on the show, we're gonna be going over some interesting Australian gaming statistics, talking about the Joy-Con issues, and I'll talk about Marvel's Ultima Light Three, the game that released last week. <laughs> <laughs> it's a continuation joke. Uh, but first, Defiant Development has shut down one of uh, Australia's longer-running game development studios announced early in the week that they're ceasing uh, development, shutting down doors. So the story comes from Kotaku. Alex Walker says, Here the fate makers are ceasing development. The Queensland, up there where you are, did you you send them a greeting card, Ash? No, I didn't. I should have. They're in Fortitude Valley, so not too far away. But You should have knocked on their door and... Some flowers and uh, it seems a bit over the top, but yeah, I don't know if I should even be joking about it really, but it seems funny yeah. at the time. Jeez. Um, <laughs> uh, the Queensland based studio behind the Hand of Fate games, Defy Development, has announced on Facebook that they are ceasing development on new titles and switching to caretaker mode to support our existing products. Defiant was founded nine years ago and has been one of the shining lights of Australian indie development in the years since, but the studio's future has effectively come to an end as of Wednesday. Uh, quote, the games market has changed in ways both big and small in the last nine years. We've been a business. Defiant wrote on their Facebook and Twitter page. We have not been able to quick change quickly enough to continue with them. The post continued. Uh, as a way of honoring their efforts, Defiant posted a short trail on YouTube showing what would have been the next project called A World in My Addict. Attic? Sorry, Addict. Uh, Addict. Um, it's a hexes board game design thing which had a... They, they put The video shows a like... CGI trailer and like gives an idea of what the art style and some idea of what the gameplay probably would have been because assumably would have been something like Hands of Fate where um, Hand of Fate where the combination of you've got this board game aspect I suppose and then when you go into battles you would have been probably doing combat like combat. you do in Hand of Fate and stuff like that so probably would have been the, the same sort of thing and like what they did with Hand of Fate um, like as a concept is very unique so Makes sense they would have been continuing to work on a similar uh, similar ideas around the same sort of stuff. So if we want to quickly, not quickly, it's quite long, but it, it, it's worthwhile just reading their, the full post they put up on their Facebook. So Defiant Development posted on, what day? Actually, it doesn't have the day here, but anyway. Um, it is with sadness. What day was it? It was Wednesday. Wednesday, okay. Um, it, it is with sadness that we announced Defiant is ceasing development. First and foremost, that means to our incredibly talented team uh, looking for new roles. Every one of them is a champion in their field. If you can hire them, then you should. When we started this studio, we did so with a clear goal in mind to hire great people to create great games. 
and do that in an ethical manner with respect for our team and audience. In 2010, Australia desperately needed studios to demonstrate that it was possible to have substantial Australian-owned IP generating homes for talent. That there could be a studio model in Australia that would thrive without being dependent on international ownership. That Australian studios could make console games again. Nine years later, there is no question that is true, and there are many Australian studios old and now and new demonstrating that Australian game development is truly world-class. The Defiant model has always focused on creating games nobody else would, games that reflected the skills and passion of our team, games that did something new. Our process has always been focused on iteration and exploration. We go into dark places searching for hidden treasures. We set out without knowing where the journey will take us, and we do so knowing that the unknown is not always safe. That is a risky way to make games, and we knew that when it succeeds, it delivers things you could not have considered possible. When it fails, it leaves you without a safety net. The games market has changed in ways both big and small in the, in the nine years we've been in the business. We have not been able to change quickly enough to continue with them. To everyone who has supported us on this journey, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. To everyone who's ever worked with Defiant, thank you so much for sharing your work, your work and yourselves. Studios rise and studios fall, but people are always the most important. To the people of Defiant, staff, friends, families and partners, thank you. May your future shine bright and may you change the world for the better. I'd like to leave you a small glimpse of the game we're working on. This video is incredibly early, but shows a little of what we had planned to create next. At this point, Defiant will continue in caretaker mode to support our existing products. Um, I thought it was a... When it, I mean, I, I have no idea what they're... You know, behind the scenes. Obviously, I have no idea what's going on behind the scenes of <laughs> any yeah. studios, really. But yeah, you obviously had no idea, and then you wake up and you, you see this post. I'm like, oh, because they were like one of the the top, I guess. When, one of the I think long, of like well, a, obviously they've been around nine years. They've got a long standing in the the, indus, the Australian yeah. industry, at least. So, yeah, it was a bit surprising. Yeah. Um, it was left field, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's very sad. I mean, obviously, the company has been around nine years. There's been there and seen, I guess, the more recent boom of Australian studios kind of pop up and for them not to be sticking around is kind of sad. Hand of Fate 2 was very well received as far as I saw, except for your review. Uh, everybody else we know really to, liked of it. Of course. So. <laughs> yeah, everybody else seemed to really like it. And uh, I guess, yeah, the thing they're working on next looks interesting, but I guess it is... If you keep working on niche things and smaller things, it's going to be hard to be sustainable, I think. But then, well, yeah. Is it is it that or is it just because the market now is kind of... Well, like, they're making games, right? They're making a product and saying, here, buy the product and then play the product, where most games are successful these days are either three... Well, no, most games are successful either they're basically free and then run off microtransactions and subscription services and whatever have you. You know what I mean? Like the the, the games mm. as service is kind of like the... I don't know about that. I mean, there's only... Only at a certain level that I think they work. Once you've got a certain amount of fan base and they work. But for the most part, people are still just buying games. Outright. Um... It's funny because I always thought Hands of Fate 2 did quite well from memory. Well, not like obviously mind-blowing, but I remember seeing like it was the Steam numbers back in the day were tracking quite well, I thought. Um, and yeah. it picked up traction even outside of, you know, Australia and what 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 have you. It was 
one of the more popular um, indie titles that Australia produced, I guess, for, for that period of time there. Come over to the Xbox and... Switch. Not yeah. PlayStation. Switch, yes. Xbox and Switch. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> it's kind of a weird thing. It'll be weird to have... I mean, it'll be weird at PAX this year, I guess, because they won't be there. So that's yeah. the thing. Considering they're usually there. Well, they have been the last couple of years. Yeah, they've. I remember something. me and Karen went to see Pans of Fate 2 on the demo floor. So. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, but, you know, as they say here, hopefully the, the people end up somewhere else. And, yeah, I mean, you, you, you may not you may not know unless you pay attention to, to the industry where any, anyone goes, I guess. But, you know. Yeah. Companies it's good can to see. That, it's good to see Defiant was trending, like, on the day, I yeah, on Twitter in a, in Australia, yeah, so which, which kind of proved how big, uh, big, they, they, well regarded, yeah, it, yeah, well regarded. It, they had an impact people. on people, so yeah. that's all you can really do, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so Japan. Moving on to Japan, all the way away from Brisbane, over to Japan. This, mm. I want to point this out, not really to discuss anything other than how jealous I am. But also, <laughs> because I'm like, what the fuck? Why do? Why can we not get cool shit like this? So Japan is getting a Disney themed Nintendo Switch, and it's themed for the Fum Fum, some you know, some some line of plush or whatever you what do you call those things? Toys, I guess. Yeah, whatever, the plush toys, the yeah, soft plush toys, stuff like that. Um, you know, they cutie things. Sounds great. So there's a there's a game coming which they did announce. I think at the start of it was in a direct. It was interactive. Really I remember everyone was complaining about it. And I was like, I will play that. Yeah. <laughs> and I look on Twitter and everyone's like, this fucking Sumsum game. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it looks cute. Leave me, I, I'll play the Sumsum game. Uh, so, yeah, Sumsum Festival is coming out later this year. Um, and the Kataka I'm looking at here says, there's a game, Sumsum Festival, that this whole thing is centered around. And the bundle for the Sumsum Nintendo Switch Includes this software along with some DLC for the game, but most interesting is the custom Switch hardware. In addition to t- some some theme dock, there are also some 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 uh, Joy Cons and Mickey Mouse ears popping out of the home button. This is the part I like the most. I think this is the part that sells me. If you look at, f- at first from a glance, you're like, "Oh, it's a pink and purple Switch. That's cool. Yep. That's th- that's cool." And then you look at the dock. You're like, "Oh, what's going on in this dock?" And you're like, oh, it looks like freaking Space Invaders or something is happening over here. What, what's happening here? And you're like, oh, you got little Disney characters on the right side of all these dots and things and whatever else is happening here. And then you look at the home button on the <clears throat> the right analog stick, and yeah, it has Mickey Mouse ears around the the home button. Nice touch. I want, I want this. This is the only switch so far where I'm like, I would, <coughs> I would like to upgrade, please. <laughs> I'd like to change my Switch into this Switch, please. And also, I hope that this doesn't just stay in Japan. And if it does only just stay in Japan, I'm hoping it means that there's a potential sign that uh, in the future, Nintendo will be working on better uh, theme switches and what what have you for the... Well, have they done any theme switches so far? I can't think of (laughs) any off the top of my head. No, I don't don't believe they have. Yeah, so, I mean, we're like two years in. They've got their base market of normal switches that they're selling. Now's the time to start pumping out those limited editions. 
and they're usually so good with it, especially with the 3DS and, and, and whatever else like yeah. that. So, um, well, well, they pumped out a lot of them on the 3DS. Yeah. I think they did, I think they might have done like a couple when ones that I won't count because they went like super cool like this. But I think maybe there was a, you know, there might have been a, a, a um, what's my call one? A, oh, fuck, I can't. Metal Blade, the RPG game that I haven't played. Monster Hunter? Jesus. No, not Monster Hunter. <laughs> oh, um, Xenoblade. Yeah, is it Xeno- I think there was a Xenoblade one, and then there might have been like a um, a what's my call one as well, a um, oh, Smash Brothers one. But I, I'm oh, pretty yeah. sure there they had like Smash very Brothers boring. One. Yeah, I think they had very was, boring. That, yeah, it was pretty boring. Apparently, there was a Let's Go Pikachu one as well. Oh yeah, it had the picture of the Pikachu and Eevee. Yeah, but they were boring as well. Yeah, honestly. they just stick a stick. It looks like they just stuck a sticker on the yeah. It literally looks like something stock. you could do for yourself. Like, just buy a custom-made sticker and stick it on. You yeah. Know? Whereas this one, um, sure, you could argue that what's on the dock could be done with stickers. But what's on the the Joy-Cons, I think it looks more than just a, an easy switch sticker job or whatever. Plus the combination of having the dock plus the Joy-Cons all be unique and whatever else is a lot better. Yeah, the, the, the stuff they've done previously has been very, very boring, so... Yeah, I hope they can. I hope this is a sign of better yeah. things to come. Well, just give us limited uh, edition Joy Cons if you don't want to give us the whole switch. Yeah, just let that. us buy the bits piecemeal. Yeah, let me buy a limited meal. edition dock. Let me buy a limited edition Joy Cons. Oh, let me buy a dock that's not hundred fucking whatever dollars for a start. That's hundred percent dollars. That should not twenty dollars. Uh, th- th- that's it. Makes the switch light make even less sense. Yeah. That's the part that does my head in, how yep. much the dock costs. I, I really want to buy, and I've said this before every single week ago, but I would really like to just pay $50 for a secondary dock. And I don't understand why they're so expensive considering people, if they were way, if the docks were way cheaper, people would just buy those things. Like, they'd be like, uh, you know what, fuck it. I'm just buying three so I can literally have one in every room of my house in case yeah. I ever want to hook With it up to With every TV. TV and even just so I can have it charging in my room easily. Yeah, Exactly. People would spend the money if it was a, a lot cheaper. Um, talking about weird Nintendo things and Joy-Cons, talk about Joy-Cons and Joy-Con drifts. This is an interesting story, I think. So the uh, story comes from Kotaku. It says, report, Nintendo will refund or repair Joy-Cons, no questions asked. Uh, following a class action lawsuit in the United States and, and almost non-stop bad PR in the lead-up to one of Nintendo's biggest releases of the year. The company has reportedly done an about-face on Joy-Con repairs, according to a new report. Uh, Patrick Klepik has gotten a banger of a scoop for Vice, reporting that Nintendo's consumer support is being instructed to refund any users who have already paid for Joy-Con repairs, with future complaints to be dealt with no questions asked. Nintendo says in the internal note, which Klepik reportedly got a hold of, that says that, quote, customers will no longer be requested to provide proof of purchase for Joy-Con repairs. Uh, It is not necessary to confirm warranty status. If a customer requests a refund for a previously paid Joy-Con repair, confirm the prior repair, and then then issue a refund. The documentation tells service staff to take users through basic troubleshooting, troubleshooting steps uh, first, I assume. But it doesn't that. But if that doesn't rectify the problem, then repairs are to be issued at no charge. In other words, if you've suffered from the horrific nightmare of Joy-Con drift, Nintendo isn't going to make a fuss about it. Um, so then uh, Alex Walker, who's done an article, says he also reached out to 
Nintendo Australia for confirmation about what the how this will work in Australia and if this is applicable for um, Australia. And at the time of the article, he didn't have something to say, but they updated it later um, and said Australian Nintendo PR gave the exact same response that they're giving to PR in America and the rest world over, which is at like. At Nintendo, we take great pride in creating quality products and we are continuously making improvements to them, blah, 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 blah. Very general copy-paste uh, PR stunt type thing here. This, um, I find this whole Joy-Con thing quite interesting though because it's never happened to me, but it's been an issue since day one. Yep. And I don't know how they still continuously... Like, I remember... I don't know if this is a really good example or not. But I remember the PS4 when it launched, the thumb, you know, like the DualShock, whatever you want to call that, that plastic thing, you know, of your your DualShock on your controller, it was like tearing real easy or whatever, like wearing down real easy after use. Like people six months or maybe less, depending on how much they were using it, were having that thing just turn to Just the actual thumbstick, yeah. Yeah, the, the, the thumbstick part of the DualShock, yeah. Um, people having that part turn to mush. And I know that was a problem, but at, at the time, I think they rectified it by just, you know, without kind of saying anything, did that whole thing where they found out what the issue was or whatever. And then the new line of dual shocks that were coming out just pushed out the old ones. And, you know, the problem was resolved and we never kind of, we never heard of it again. I, I had it happen to one of my dual shocks, my launch PS4 dual shock. And all of my controllers that I got after that, and I had to buy a replacement after like six six months-ish as well, I think, for that. But ones I have, all of the ones I own now, some of which are way older than that, and obviously have much more, have been used a lot more, have never had the same thing happen. So they kind of just pushed out and fixed the problem. Whereas this Joy-Con thing, I've read stories about, well, I've read stories about it happening since day one. I've also read stories about it still happening with people buying Switches now. So I always wondered why, what the problem is and why Nintendo didn't, you know, find out what it was because this was an issue that was happening launch day of the Switch, among other things, including people's uh, freaking Switches getting bent while they have it docked in the console and whatever else. You know, these really weird issues that were happening but i always wondered why nintendo didn't just be like oh fuck like replace the people that requested it and then just in the next mod line of switches that were getting made from the factory find out what exactly the issue was and just make sure that it's in the next next ones that were coming out but apparently it still exists and this switch joke on drift thing because it would do my fucking head in especially if you're someone who doesn't uh, especially if you're someone who plays in handheld, because yeah. if you if if you're playing Doctor and using a Pro controller, you're like, oh, whatever, you know. You probably may not ever notice this thing if you, if that's the way you play all your Switch games. The second you play in handheld or something like that, and you've you're or you're sitting it down at lunch because you're like that woman in that trailer or whatever, and you bring your Switch over to every tea party, yeah. um, and then all of a sudden you you get this Switch stroke on issue. I, I should explain though, I suppose. Probably should have said it before, but for people who don't know, it's basically the like imagine you 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 put the controller down and your character on the screen just starts moving. You're like what yeah. the fuck? <laughs> so it's automatically set to move in a certain direction rather than stand still. Yeah, it's like yeah. What's going on here? This is just the thumbstick is slightly off or something. Yeah, um, but 
it's interesting. I think Nintendo's take on this is quite interesting there because they're basically doing a, for a while, it sounds like if you were trying to get it repaired um, and even if you got it repaired and you're like, it's still not fixed and you're going back for more repairs, it sounds like it was a real hassle of them being like, we'll prove it, you know? Well, to a certain extent, you can understand, hey, um, how do we know you didn't uh, just put it through the washing machine or something? Well, I mean, if you go look on Drew Agnew's Twitter, you'll find out putting it through the washing machine does nothing to us, which is joke on apparently. So. Okay, well, what? <laughs> you put it through the dryer and it melted it on the inside. Yeah. Um, yeah. For them to also have to pay for repairs and that sort of thing. I can, uh, yeah. And who keeps receipts for these kind of things? I mean, you've no got one. the thing. That's enough of a proof of purchase. My, well, I can understand. I agree for a point. Like, day one, couple people come in. Obviously, your policy day one of launch is going to be ask people to prove this thing. But I, I think it kind of says the fact that they're changing the policy to just being like, just fucking fix them. I think just says how many people are having issues with Joy-Con still. You know what yeah. I mean? Like if you're if you're changing your or policy, or it could from, be the opposite that it's such a small number, but it's causing such bad PR that like screw it, we'll take this small loss. No way. If it, if it, if it's such a small number, then you continue to ask for receipts because because now they're basically inviting people to just trade in their joy cons. Yeah, yeah, my joy cons broken. Oh no! Look, uh, put it through the wall. Why would you do that though? <laughs> because you're sending a joy con away to get repaired. You're not going to be able to use it for. If, it, know, if it's working, you just want. Looking through bins, crawling through bins outside EB Games, you find some Joy Cons, you take them in, get them repaired. Who's throwing away Joy Cons? <laughs> Who works in these EB game stores? I don't know what they're doing. Like, yeah, you throw your Joy Con against the wall because you forgot to put the strap on, or you're angry yeah. because you lose Mario Party, and then you can get it replaced yeah. for free. Fuck you, cousin! You no, nah, it's drifting. <laughs> Oh. It's definitely the, no. Those aren't scratch marks, scuff marks. Is this, this is why they don't have Nintendo, like on Nintendo online game online games that just have voice chat where you can chat to people. You're losing Splatoon or Mario Kart or some shit. It's fucking, I've got I've got Joy-Con drift. Like you fucking cheaters. Joy-Con yeah. drift, guys. Don't even know. It's called a handicap. That's what it is. Yeah, I need you all to give me a handicap because my Joy Cons. They went through the washing machine twice, which we all know is the amount of numbers it takes. How do you to- put it through a washing machine? <laughs> I won't get over that story for a while. I, thought, I, I in case you don't know, go listen to go go listen to House of Mario this week, everyone. If you want to hear them talk about this joke on issue for a full issue, but our inside joke is that uh, Drew from the House of Mario said that he put his joke on through the wash. And he put them through the wash because he put his Joy-Cons in his pocket because it was easier to put them there, I guess, while he was... Then on his switch. His switch. <laughs> it, which was why I tweeted back, you'll be getting a Switch Lite because if you're at the point in your life where you're like, well, I don't have enough bag space or like I want to put this Switch in my pocket, but it's too big. So what I'll do is I'll take the Joy-Cons off and I'll put the Switch in my pocket and then I'll put the Joy-Cons um, in my jacket in my- pocket. And that's the way I have to transport my Switch. And then you're telling me there's no audience for the Switch Lite? Fuck off. 
<laughs> you know who the audience for the Switch Lite is? People who have to take People their Joy-Con bags. Off and put them in their jacket pocket or without bags so they can transport their Switches around. <laughs> <laughs> that's who the, that should be the next advert for the fucking Nintendo Switch. That Nintendo. If you put your Joy-Cons <laughs> to the washing machine. Is your, jo- is your Switch too big to fit in your pocket? Do you not like bags? Do you, do you, is the idea of a bag oh. too much of a hassle for you? <laughs> well, how about this? The Switch Lite, it's smaller. You can just put it in your pocket. You know what? Yeah. Nintendo, you sold me. You sold me. Because a, fi- a $50 bag? No. No. Fanny you packs have to carry that, that everywhere? Oh, you have to take it off? Ugh. Yeah. Terrible. To, someone comes out with a th- alternatively to solve Drew's problem, or for which I presume is a, a large audience of people who like to take their Joy Cons off to transport their switches. Is what some third party, pe- some third party company. Feel free to take this idea. I won't even claim any uh, copyright for it. You need to come up with like a key ring thing. So what it is is it state. <laughs> You need to come up with a keying thing. And what it is is you keep attached to your keys and then when you take the Joy-Cons off, there's a way to quickly just strap your two Joy-Cons on it and chuck that into your pocket and then you, you know, switch goes in the back pocket and off you go and then you sit down in your car and then you smash the screen. You're like, fuck, I thought that was my wallet, but it was my switch. (laughs) (laughs) No, they should just do like a big necklace thing. So you know how they used to have like the big clock jewelry back in? Yeah. Yeah. Just a big Joy Cons fashion statement. <laughs> fashion statement. Yeah, there you go. Anyway, forgot what I was talking about, so let's move on. Xbox. Xbox is getting, uh, or Xbox is currently testing a home menu redesign, which I usually wouldn't talk about, but this one I find really interesting because it really looks like the PS4 menu to me. Um, so the story I found from The Verge. It says, Microsoft is once again tweaking its Xbox One dashboard design, removing the Cortana digital assistant. The software maker has started experimenting with what it describes as a more streamlined user interface for the home section of the Xbox One dashboard. This is the area you immediately see when you pair on the Xbox One console. The new design includes quicker access to Xbox Game Pass titles, Microsoft's Mixer service, Xbox Community feature, and Microsoft Store. Uh, it says, quote, we've heard your feedback and have continued to iterate on home to get it into your ga- to get into your gaming experiences faster and keeping more of your content front and center, explains Bradley Rossetti, Microsoft's Xbox uh, insider, sh- I nearly said chef, chief. Uh, quote, with this new experiment, home design, the first thing you'll notice is we've removed the twist from the top of the home menu in favor of separate buttons that launch your, let you launch your gaming experiences. This should make it easier to access frequently used games on the home screen. Microsoft is testing this new home screen with Xbox insiders in the alpha and alpha skip ahead rings. And the company is looking for feedback. Microsoft has tweaked its Xbox dashboard multiple times since the console launch, trying to improve the often clunky user experience. There was a fluent design back in 2017 uh, and a big redesign in 2015 that preceded a new focus on speed. Um, so, yeah, there's a... I think... T- t- tell me, not just looking at the picture, Ash. Yeah. That doesn't make you think of PlayStation. I mean, a little bit. It literally looks like the PS4 to me. I mean, not spot on. I don't on, know. I've never but... seen Gears of War 4, Forza Horizon. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> So, yeah, for listeners who can't say it, it's basically much like the PS4 thing. It's got 
a crossbar, whatever you want to call it, of just a bunch of titles and stuff. And then on the, the screenshot from the article, it's hovering over or in the blind forest. And then below that, it's got a drop down menu with um, some other stuff like Game Pass, Quick Selections, uh, Discover stuff, people are playing Forza, blah, 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 blah. Um, it just reminds me. It's hard. It's really hard not to to see PlayStation here, to be honest. Um, I I, I reckon once you actually dived into it, it would run and function a lot differently. But I just want to say, I do want to go on record for this because this is a testing testing thing, right? And Kieran's not here to defend himself, but Kieran on this show has previously said many times, oh, no, it wasn't even on this show. I know Kieran many times over the years on Platinum Explosion would constantly go on about how he hated the PS4 user face and the Xbox user user face is better, blah, 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 blah. The Xbox user face is the worst user face in current-gen consoles. Full stop. Right? He's wrong. He's very wrong. He's horribly wrong. (laughs) So I hope that this update comes to fruition because of course it's a testing thing so it doesn't mean it's actually gonna you know doesn't mean it's actually gonna rock on over it's not guaranteed this it's not a guaranteed thing but i see this and at first thought i'm like oh that's a playstation joke that's quite funny but my second reaction is please make it happen though because i hate the xbox i hate it so much it is the most confusing clunky slow mess of any Thing ever it makes it so hard to get to anything that you want and when i first got my xbox a couple of years ago i thought the reason i was having trouble with stuff is because i wasn't used to it right i'm like i'm not used to it i don't know where everything is yet once i once i know it'll be faster no everything is just impossible to get to at least on my playstation if if if, if i want to start a game it's there if, if, if I haven't played it for 10 years, maybe I'll have to click across, you know, go into old games and find it. If you stick the disc in, it just shows up. Xbox, click a few fucking menu after menu. Don't know where, what the fuck I'm even doing. It takes forever to load in. What's going on? So this home design, I would like to say, yes, please, make it happen. Fucking, you know you're in a world of trouble when I'm saying that the Nintendo has a better home UI experience than fucking Xbox does, which they do. No one can argue with me. I'll not hear any. I'll not hear any arguments back about any of this. Thank you very much. Let's talk about the game of last week. Not this week. Last week, <laughs> Marvel Ultimate Alliance Three: The Black Order. So, uh, firstly, Ash, did you you? you Played Marvel Ultimate, the previous ones? Or? Yes, I did. I played the X-Men Legends and then the follow-up, the Marvel Alliance 1 and 2s. Did you ever play that free-to-play thing that was on PS4 for a while, whatever that was? I can't remember what it was called now. Probably. I what I mean. the, the one that shut down, I think. The, yeah. Um, it was the online one. Marvel I Heroes, I think it was. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So, which was yeah. basically the same sort of thing. Pretty so, much the same. I feel like... The, 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 the thing with this game is if you've played any of those games, this is that. This is just another one. Yep. And I mean that in the nicest way possible, but also it could be taken as negative. Depends on how you want to look at it. Because if you've played all those games and you like those games, 
I can safely say you will probably like this game because it is just more of the same shit. If you've mm. not played any of those games and you're going into this after playing Spider-Man PS4, seeing Ooh. the Avengers trailer or something, and you're like, damn, Marvel's been killing it. Marvel have been absolutely killing it with their games lately. This Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, I haven't played one or two, but I'm sure this game's going to be the shit. You may be in for a bit of a shock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because for, oh, to start off with, it doesn't look hot. I mean, I know it's a Switch game, but also it does kind of look like a PS3 game. You know what I mean? Like it, it, yeah. it looks like the awful yeah, one. They've got it a just look- cartoony style, which helps it. But it, yeah, it's not the prettiest thing to look at. No. It, it, it's just like, okay, so it looks like the awful ones. That's the, <laughs> we really didn't try and, uh, and I know the Switch could have run a better, like if they tried, I guess, but. I think it was a decision that was made on purpose, I guess. But um, And the gameplay, okay, for you, those that don't know, this is, because I see a lot of people on Twitter keep throwing around the word Diablo and stuff like, this is Diablo Light, this is a Diablo this, blah, blah, blah. This is not a Diablo game. Diablo game is loot. There's no fucking yeah. loot in this game. Where's that Diablo comparison coming? It's just a beat em up. It's just the gameplay element of the, is the combat of the Diablo. Because Diablo no- is what? Like four abilities, heavy attack, strong attack, four abilities or more, and then special abilities and stuff like that. And jump. Yes. And like way faster reaction time rollings and whatever else. Uh, In this game, it's, you you, you eventually unlock more abilities and whatever else, but it's just, I don't get the Diablo comparison. What it is though, now I've got that stuff out of the way. Marble Ultimate Alliance 3, the Black Order, is, Story-wise, I guess if we'll quickly go over that, for what story there is, is the game starts you off as the Guardians of the Galaxy. They bump into... I'm spoiling like the first half hour. They they bump into fucking... Uh, what's his name? They bump into Ronan. Ronan. Yep. Ronan shows up. And they're like, hey, what up? And they're like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, man, you can't be here. You're going to mess up everything. Then all of a sudden Thanos shows up and then uh, turns out the... The, the older stones are there, the Finney stones. And then they're like, oh, shit, better do something about this. And then you have a few fights. And then eventually, um, what's-his-face grabs onto the stones and uh, they disappear into different reaches of the galaxy or was what I take. I don't know. I, they, so far, earth. I've found... I've found <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, so far, I've only found two on Earth. I don't know if we ever leave Earth. or No, three on mm. Earth. So I don't know if the rest of the on earth because i haven't finished the the campaign yet um so then you you blast man and as you continue to play as the guardians of the galaxy when you show back up on earth then you start bumping into spider-man the avengers shop obviously you start talking to whoever so you, you slowly just begin knocking into more characters as you go trying to find the stones and you can lock them and then at any point you can switch in and out to different characters which play differently have different abilities um, and have different team combo compositions, which um, I'll get into in a second, I suppose, because it's, I don't know, if, personally, I'm like, whatever, but if, if you want to get hard, hardcore into the RPG elements of the game, I suppose you'd care more about that stuff. Yep. Um, and then the gameplay is just really simple. It's You have a heavy attack, a light attack, there's a dodge button that'll make you roll in a direction, or you can hold it to block, which I never do but I will happily roll around the place. Um, you have a jump button, 
and, or a swing or fly button, depending on the character that you're playing as. And then at the start of the game, you have access to one special attack, which uses like a little bit of a meter that you build up by attacking enemies, which you can build up. And then you can spam it a few times as you deplete that bar or, you know, use it, then hit a few enemies, use it again, and so on and so forth. And then you have another bar that builds up, which when it's full, you can use your ultimate special ability. I don't really actually know what it's called. Sure, ultimate special ability, which you, like can that, com- yeah. you can combine with the other members on your team as well. If they've all got that full, and then you can do like one big, let's all use our ultimate special abilities at the same time and smash fights. But the gameplay is very simple. You basically just lie attack, lie attack. You, you don't know what you're clicking. You're just like, man, man, you know, he's smashing buttons. Intermediate round, doing some special attacks, doing what you need to do. That's fun. Good time. Um, and then uh, uh, you're either going to like that or you're not going to like it. And I personally find it quite relaxing, I guess. Is that a bad way to say for a game when you're like, the whole game's about like constantly being in battles and fighting yeah. and like hectic action happening on the screen and whatever else. But at the same time, I'm like, this game's kind of relaxing because you just zone out and smash. Push buttons. Push buttons and smash face and sort of thing. Yeah. Do you have any uh No, uh, I've only put like an hour, maybe hour and a half into it. Um, it is very basic, I feel like. I feel like the older ones, there was a bit more customization. Like yeah, you could unlock more stuff. powers so you can just like switch and change between few characters and that sort of thing. But then it's got this freaking ISO thing with all the yep. little things, level health up, level up things you can change to. So certain elements, it looks more complicated than it probably is. But, I mean, it's fine. Uh, they do hit you on the head with all these new characters, like straight out of the gate, though. Like you just keep unlocking constantly. Like I think they're trying to unlock as many people as possible at the start just so you can pick your favorites. Um, you- you get a like a decent pool at the start, like after the first half hour or so. Yeah. Be like, okay, who do you want to play as? Who do you want your team to be? Because although obviously the game is designed to be played in like four player uh, co op, playing single player, which is the only way I played it, um, you pick your full team and like at any stage you can press any one of the diagonal buttons on the switch to switch between the, the members. And if one of them dies, you'll just automatically be switched to another one. and whatever else. So who you pick for your team does matter, not only so you can have a cool team, but then also because there are, like getting into the stuff you were talking about, the leveling up and the RPGs side of the stuff here, you do have these team buffs. So it's like if you pick all the Guardians of the Galaxy, you have like a Guardians buff. Um, My current team's like um, all women, so I've got some like women of the Marvel Universe buff and some other buff or something like that. I, I think you can look up what all the buffs are if you des- want to design teams. I really give zero shits and I'm just I'm just picking if I like. want because, yeah, because it's like, uh, you know, two couple percent boost yeah, to this couple, and whatever Yeah, else. a couple extra percent durability. Woo! Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I don't, I'm like, I don't care. I just want the people on my team who... I want on my team. Thank you. I just want f- fun people. And also I'm purposely not picking like very boring teams of Iron Man and Spider-Man and 
Thor, you know, like, oh, get out of here. Fucking plagiarism of the game. Wow. He's, he's literally Spider-Man on Spider-Man and Thor are boring characters is yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, they are boring characters. There's a whole fucking Avengers game coming out next year. You can, you can have your turn. Like, let's take this Let's take this game and a chance to play as other characters who don't have fucking video games, all right? Um, and then the RPG leveling up system. So all your characters level up. Like, just through beating up enemies and you gain XP for beating yep. them up and so on and so forth. And then they will level up. So this does lead to a thing where you can play with a bunch of characters for a long period of time, level them up, and then you're like, fuck, I want to play as uh, Gamora or someone like you have unlocked from the very start of the game. And now she's under level as fuck. The way they try to balance that out is by saying, hey, you can replay levels or sections, I guess, to uh, counteract that. Or you have these... Uh, challenge level things. I don't actually Rift remember the official levels name. or something. Rift challenges or something. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Rift challenges, which are basically like beat this whole thing in under two minutes without, you know, like they've got some modifiers and stuff and they'll give you different rewards while also at the same time, obviously you're getting a bunch of XP for just beating, beating up enemies constantly and over and over. So that's one way they say do that. But of course it's like, okay, I want to play as a character from three hours ago in the game and you're telling me to be able to play as that character and continue the campaign I'm doing, I have to spend fucking three hours farming up XP. That's pretty shit. So another way you have is if you find secrets or you'll get them from boss enemies as well, um, you'll get these like level up XP container things. So you can basically use them on characters like uh, rare candies from Pokemon or what have you. So you just be like, okay, I'm going to use this. It'll boost, it'll it'll turn this character, give them 10,000 XP and they'll go from this. And you'll get, you'll find enough of those that you can put them all into a character. That kind of solves the problem. But at the same time, if you're constantly wanting to switch characters, like if you're you're someone who's just every half hour, like I want to switch to this person, I want to switch to this person. And then you're always using those XP things, you're soon going to run out. And then be like, okay, cool. And then you have to farm up and you'll be underleveled for a boss or something like that. So the game, as much as it's like, unlocks all these characters for you and it's constantly being like, here's all these characters, here's all these characters. It doesn't really reward you for switching. It rewards you for sticking to the same uh, team throughout the entire run, basically. So I've switched up my team three times um, and every time I've done it, it's kind of been after I've just unlocked a character because the character you will unlock is usually a couple levels above what you are at the time. So any new characters you're unlocking for the campaign are good to go. It's just the problem of anyone from ages ago, if you suddenly want to play as, play as them, you'll be up shit creek a beat. Uh, uh, shit creek a beat there. Um, and then the other XP RPG stuff is you get these, you get coins for doing levels, which is money or whatever. And then you get these other ISO things or whatever. They're, I don't even know the names of all the things. Um, things. And you get like this sphere grid, which is you can unlock stuff on the grid and it'll be like oh plus 20 physical power to your team plus defense plus whatever special yep. defense and you you just unlock shit randomly there's no like real emphasis on Reason. any certain direction to build and it because oh, looking at it it reminds me of Final Fantasy X's theory grid because that's basically what it had to level up in that game but in that game you would always have like okay so if I head down this direction and I unlock like this plus 10 power, this plus 10 defense, blah, 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 blah. Like after that, it'll lead you to a special ability or something. So you're kind of like building along paths and you choose a direction based on a special ability or something you want. But the grids in this game are just 
nonsense and there's nowhere to go. So I just straight away, I'm just clicking on everything for power because I'm like, I don't fucking care about defense. Just make, <laughs> make me all the power things. What, why do I even care? So yeah, I find that a little bit weird. And then the other, the one other thing is this uh, ISO. Th- I think this is the ISO things, isn't it? It's little things you can equip to characters that gives them buffs. And sometimes they give them buffs, plus D buffs. It'll be like, hey, you get 20% more power, but you will get knocked out quicker or some shit, or you'll take more damage from fire or, or so on and so forth. And you find these randomly throughout the world and you can deconstruct some and whatever else. And you, you can equip like up to three on your team. But t- to be honest, I don't think any of this RPG stuff is super, super matters. You could pretty much just, as long as you're not terrible at dodging, um, I've not, I haven't struggled on any fight in the game so far. Um, hasn't been super easy. Like I have, you know, like some of the boss fights I have been like, oh, getting a bit close. Two people yep. got knocked down, doing what I need to do here. But at the same time, I am, I'm not like, oh, this is so hard. Just as, as long as you're able to at least dodge out of the way of some special attacks in boss fights and whatever else, uh, it's pretty fun. But I feel like well, they made it fan, easier as well. They've put the revive thing in. So if so, oh, one yeah, guy goes down, it. you can. Re- walk over and revive them. Whereas back in my day, they died. <laughs> you had to wait until you got to a checkpoint before you could put somebody else in. Yeah, and it's... I That would make more sense if that was the way it only worked in co-op, I guess. Like, But it still does it in single player. And the AI is pretty good at actually reviving your partners for you. So... Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not that... It's not too big of an issue. And most of the time, if you're pretty good at saving up your power-ups... I like save up until all of all four members of my team have their ultimate power ready to go. And then anytime it's like the anytime I may potentially be about to take a heap of damage, I do like the cheesy thing of just activate that and kind of like skip the animation, potentially taking a bunch of damage, you know, like perfectly time it for a, a boss's attack or something like that. Cause it skips out their animation to go into the animation yeah. of uh, all my people doing their super ultimate attack and stuff like that. But overall, it's a very chill, as I said, it's a very chill play game to play. Um, if you like Marvel characters, there's all, they're all here, as far as I can tell. I, <laughs> they're nearly all here. Uh, so you're going to have a fun time doing that. And it's kind of like this thing where it, everyone's basically played by the game version that you know most for. So like Nolan North is playing Deadpool and uh, Rocket Raccoon and whatever else. So it's like... You recognize all these voices and you're like, oh, it's fun to have that person back. And it's, so it's it's not the movie version of the characters. It's like, hey, is this the Deadpool from the Deadpool game? Maybe. I don't know. Sounds like him. It's Nolan North. So it's like a they're all come together in this this video game version. And if you're into Marvel characters, it's it's fun, I think, because the, the, the interactions they have in the cutscenes and stuff I am finding enjoyable. Like there was... um. Like there was one interaction I saw between Miles Morales and some of the characters I just had that I thought was quite funny as well. So, um, yeah, it, it's pretty good. It's it's hard to really suggest at the moment if you've got Switch because it's like it comes out the week before Fire Emblem, so it's like mm, it's a bit of a hard sell, especially now that we're talking about it a week on. And I, as a, well, I haven't played Fire Emblem yet, so I can't tell if it's really great or not. But I feel like most people's Switches are probably picking up Fire Emblem, I, and. That's probably a lot of reason why maybe people didn't bother picking this up last week as well. Because they're like, well, fire him six week. I ain't got I ain't gonna get this, I ain't gonna have time. So yeah. weird time weird time to release it, I think. Um yeah. week out is, is a really it, it, time. I will also say this game sucks to play with Joy Con. 
to play. It's just really play. Don't play with this with the joke. Just a single joke on. It's not fun. Oh, that's just getting the dodge and the yep. Did you do getting the top buttons? Yeah. Do you do co-op with yeah uh, your brother or something? Yeah. Do you not have a pro controller at all? Nope. Oh dear. Yeah. No dear. I I I played it handheld, which is fine, obviously, because you have the two Joy Cons going, and I've played it on my TV with my pro controller, which is fine. But yeah, I can't imagine playing this with one Joy Con. That sounds like a bit of a nightmare. It's a struggle. Uh, so for the main topic this week, want to just go over this report. It comes out every year. It's always uh, somewhat interesting to go through. The IGEA, uh, Digital Australia 2020 report. So it's put together by the Interactive Games and Entertainment Association. And you can find it posted on IGEA.net. Uh, and it's put together... Um, I think it says here somewhere like roughly the stats. It says, Participants for this poll or questionnaire. What would you call this? Questionnaire? Yes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, participants were drawn randomly from the Nielsen Your Voice panel in March 2019. Research was designed and conducted at Bond University. The margin of error ranges from plus 2.3 to plus 3.3%, whatever that means. Um, so <clears throat> you can find the full report on the website if you want to actually look through the entire thing uh, and see what amazing statistics you can get out of that. Or they have the thing which we're going to be looking at here, which is basically just a summary report. And they have a big page, big flash, flashy, cool-looking graphics here that kind of break down all the stats that may yep. or may not be of interest to you. And they've got one big page here where it breaks it all down. Um, but the stuff I'm going to go over is the little bit more... Um, they've got two pages of key findings here. Um, so that's probably the easiest way to digest this information. And that's what we're going to go over here because it's all about Australian gamers. The gaming in Australia. I don't know. Uh, it's just interesting, I think. So, key findings. DA, DA20. IGAA. The power of games is the first panel that we've got here. So, two-thirds of Australians play video games. I don't think that's shocking at all. And by the way, if you're one of those people that are like, yeah, but two-thirds of Australians playing video games, does that count people who fucking only play mobile games? Because they're not real gamers. Fuck off. Don't listen to my podcast. Um, <laughs> so that would count people who only play mobile games. I'm sorry to tell you, Mr. Fucking turf all games are All video games are video games. All video games count for the purpose of this. I, yes. Um, most homes have a device for playing video games. Yeah, because well, it's that's a iPads. given. Seeing as we're including mobile games, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, well, smartphones, I guess. So, some households out there wouldn't have smartphones. Still, it depends. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's true. Uh, Older people still have flip phones. Yeah, I, there's still like a maybe twenty years before I'd say a hundred percent every every house probably guaranteed has a smart device in it. I was, I was reckon we're like ten to twenty years away from that. Um, twenty-one yeah. percent of households have a virtual reality headset. That's quite high, don't you think? That is surprising. That is quite very surprising. I, it it doesn't obviously break down. Here's VR sales must have been way better than we thought. <laughs> or they've yeah. got those dodgy Samsung things. Yeah. That you put no. your phone in. 
Or the Nintendo out? Labo did really well. Um. Well, the Labo counts, so. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sure. So, but twenty-one percent is quite good, I would say. Um, as a VR enthusiast, seeing twenty-one percent makes me go, yes, yeah. yes. Let's see the rise. Um, seventy seventy percent use mobile phones for playing games. I think in a world where fucking Pokemon Go exists and all these other like very easy to, you know, what I mean, everyone probably has one game. On yeah. their phone, on some sort, even if you don't really think about it, you know. Fucking Sudoku. I don't know if that counts, but maybe. It does. It's a game. <laughs> it's a puzzle game. Uh, yeah. 65% use consoles for playing games. You may be like, is that really a stats that's ne- that necessary? And why is it so low? 65% use consoles for playing games. I reckon there's a lot of people who only fucking use it as a Netflix box or some shit. You know, playing DVDs, Blu-rays, stuff. My no, da- that's my like da- 65% of all people who use consoles for games. Yeah. So 35% of people don't use consoles. Would be my understanding of the statistic. You reckon? I suppose it could go both, both ways. You're right. But I was about to say, um, just I was going, yeah, you're, you're probably right, actually. But on that, um, it could go the other way, especially because... I think you're right, actually. But my um, thing, because my, my dad was talking about buying a 4K TV last week, and he was asking about, like, 4K Blu-ray players. And I was saying if he wanted one, the cheapest one would actually just to be about to get an Xbox. Yeah. So, you know, like, <laughs> I'm sure there's... Um, I think you're right, but the stack could go the other way. It would be interesting still, too. Yeah, um, I don't think every- 35% of people are buying it just to use as a Blu-ray player. Do you know how expensive those fucking 4K age. Samsung players are? Yeah. How many people are buying 4K Blu-rays? Yeah, <laughs> the market is very small. Of, me and one other guy. Um, the average age of video game players is 34 years old. So Yes. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's why every time you read those stories on um, fucking seeing, oh, no, 7 and 7, whatever, whatever those news channels are, you know, saying that kids are, Fucking the kids in the video games, the kids in the video games. It's like these stats consistently year after year. And I think that's number, that number's higher than, well, it actually makes sense if the number goes up. Cause I, I think in previous years it's been like 30 or like 31 or something like that. But it's like if, if roughly our age, somewhere between all of it, me and Ash's age is the general age of a, a gamer or something like that, it makes sense that the average age of, it would go up every year, the consensus. The but there's more done. young people getting into video games. There's a constant stream of young people getting into video games. Yeah. So I guess that should bring it down, but who knows? No. Math. Um, it's difficult. I'm just glad that I'm on the lower end still. <laughs> of the average age. Yeah. I'm below average age. Yeah, the day you pass it, you're like, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, almost half of video game players are female. Uh, this oh, this number- is a shocking statistic. <laughs> <laughs> this number is pretty much always, uh, always been, been true. Always been true, and then that's why every year when, well, I mean, don't really need to get it. Every time I see someone on Twitter asking for a a girl's gamer credit card or something, I'm like, fuck, just it's not. These don't exist. The stats say they do, dude. Like. <laughs> 
the stats say that the stats in some places actually say that females have higher numbers of video game players than guys in some places. So yeah, fuck off. Um, seventy eight percent of Australian video game players are aged eighteen years or older. Forty two percent aged sixty five and over play video games. Any of those numbers shock? I guess over the sixty five. Like forty. Well. Yeah, over forty percent play video games is surprising to me. It's quite high, yeah. Yeah, it's quite high. I, but I, I guess when thing. you're old, you got nothing better to do, so you can just play the video games. <laughs> well, I, you I get I your might phone out, you of... play the New York crossword. No, I don't think that's, that's what. <laughs> I've known of one dude who I used to work with, who's like sixty something, I think. And when he first told me he was playing World of Warcraft and Destiny and all this sort of stuff, I was like, "What?" But then he told me the reason he does it is because his family lives up in Brisbane and he plays the games of his sons as like a, you know, they got into it. Like a thing they can do together. They got into it as a thing they can do together. Yeah. So it's like all the games he plays are very social ones. He plays with his sons, Destiny, Mm. uh, Division, World of Warcraft. They're all multiplayer ones that they can play together. So, yeah. Um, The average Australian adult has been playing video games for 12 years. Do the maths on myself. Yeah, that uh, well, that's well, well and true. Yeah, <laughs> I just wanted to be able to say I'm above average. <laughs> okay. For the first time <laughs> in my life. <laughs> uh, next, next rail stats. So the power of play. The top five reasons Australians play video games is to uh, is for fun, to pass time, to de stress, to take a break from daily life, to keep the mind active. Which one? Yep. Which ones of these would you tick? Would you tick? Um, all five. <laughs> I mean, they're all accurate. Yeah, I feel like I, f- I feel like I don't. I would tick all of them, but the last one. I'm like, I I never really sit. I don't down. Like, consciously oh, do it to keep my mind active. It's just a, just a side effect. Yeah, I, I guess. guess so. I guess at no point I'm like, I oh, better keep the old noggin going. <laughs> That's what the 65 year olds <laughs> are doing to play the games for. Better keep noggin going. <laughs> yeah. Um, younger and working age adults play to have fun, pastime, and de-stress. Old adults play to keep the mind active. Well, I should have just read ahead because the next thing answers exactly. It, it explains everything. <laughs> uh, average daily total of play for Australians of all ages who play video games is eighty-one minutes. Average, average total play game, eighty-one minutes a day. I tell you what, I do not fall into the average there at all. Mm, yeah. Depends on the day, definitely. Uh, well, I guess when you average it out, it's like playing eight hours one day over a week. I guess it sort of worked out to be. Oh, yeah, it could potentially be a thing, yeah. I was about to say, because there's, there's some days where I don't on play On the phone like, playing some week. dumb mini v- mobile game while I'm watching something Look, we're else. not all yeah. like you fucking playing auto chess constantly. <laughs> yeah. Um, male video game players on average... Uh, play on average for 89 minutes. Female video game players play on average for 79 minutes. Uh, 71 Ooh, minutes. Sexist joke here. <laughs> no. I was about to say, it's the only time when males can go longer than We female. get that extra 18 minutes because we don't take so long getting ready. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, the, typical day, the typical daily casual gameplay is 10 minutes twice a day. So <sighs> I guess like casual gameplay would be... Your mobile app stuff on average, people are playing like 10 minutes twice a day or something, I guess, would be my guess. You know, whip yeah. it out, play for a little bit on lunch break or whatever. 
whip it away. Yeah, that makes that makes sense, I guess. For I think that makes sense. Most people. Yeah, I've been, I didn't want to talk about it this week because I haven't actually put enough time into it to have too much to say about it. But I, I downloaded um, what the fuck is it called? That uh, Lego Tower, which Lego Tower, Lego Towers, or oh, whatever. Is that on out? My phone. Yeah, I, I, so I, I played that the last couple of days, and that's been one of those like ten minute. Click on a bunch of things, order people around, do what you need to do, then do it, you know, do it again before bed kind of thing. So it, it's those sorts of games, yeah, like that. I guess would make sense. Um, the typical daily in-depth gameplay is one hour. What is in-depth gameplay? In-depth, in-depth hardcore, hardcore. I guess in-depth. so. It's proper game, like a um, proper AAA game, yeah, like so play console a, game. Yeah, or for PC an hour, game. I guess on on average, yeah. Um, children play on average a hundred minutes per day. I'm sure there's some parents out there. Sure, that's that's healthy. I mean, is well, look, you go to school, you get home, you play for like, what an hour and a bit before. T- no, that adds up. Like, if you get home from school, it's an hour forty minutes every day, on average. On average. Yeah, but if we're saying look, if we're taking it into your averaging out theory. And we're saying that that could be like four hours on Saturday, Sunday, or something. Then that's averaged out. Yeah, I guess. It's the same sort of theory, I guess. Or maybe these kids that like are addicted to video games are like altering the numbers. Maybe. Yeah, it's, it's fucking with the stats. Um, yeah. Working a working age adults play on average eighty three minutes a day. So that number to me is crazy. Eighty three minutes well, a day on average. Well, Come we're round, well-rounded people who check out different things, do and take different types of media. <laughs> so, some I people guess. just come home, chuck on College Fortnite, <laughs> and that's what they do. <laughs> <Fortnite>. <laughs> uh, ret- retirement age adults play on average fifty-nine minutes a day, and that's because they set a stopwatch and it goes off at exactly one hour. <laughs> no, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough. That's enough. No, a minute, a minute before. They fall asleep after now. Um, <laughs> power of connection. The top three reasons parents play with children is for one, family fun, two, children ask, three, a way to spend time together. Um, I mean, yeah. It's so funny because the, the thing of this for like my parents play, I feel like years and years and years ago, like the most common answer would have been because it would have just been like, because children ask. Whatever, yeah. Know? But I, I feel like as I have like, to. Oh, yeah. But now that like that, uh, the current generation having kids and stuff play games, so it's more like the idea. You know, it's more for family time, and we can play together because it's fun. But I also want to play too. So, fifty nine percent of parents play with their children in the same room. Forty three percent of parents play online games with their children. Well, what I was just talking about with my um old dude who I used to work with, um fits that bill 54% are mostly or completely familiar with family controls on gaming systems I feel like that number should be way higher that's one that stands out you know you may be like 54% that's let's just say it's 50 because come on 54% so only half of most families are familiar with the family controls and this is why we have issues where it's like why is my children have access to this why did my child be able to play this game why did my child have access to fucking rent this video off playstation using my credit card i didn't know how do i stop that well you need to be aware of the family controls there's family controls on every console and they most good consoles or even tvs or whatever 
have ways to customize this stuff so you can stop your children from doing things you don't want them to be doing or getting access to things that you don't want them to have access to. How you educate parents, I guess, on this sort of stuff, I don't really know. I don't know who who it falls on. Should PlayStation Xbox... Yeah. Well, no, because they're too busy just putting the fear. They're too busy putting the fucking fear on people's minds and actually just educating. And that, that that's mm. a, a good thing that like, if, if they spent all that time and effort that they drill this, like games are ruining the world and just did like more stories about here's how you use family controls. Here's how you like, the edu- here's how the classification system works. Here's how this works. They could actually just be educating people, but they don't do that. And then it's like, well, does PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, whoever have to do a bunch of advertisements for this stuff? I don't think that would work at all. So, yeah, I, I really don't know how to solve that, but I do think that number should be fucking 70, 80% at least or something like that. Um, 83% of parents say that they have talked with a child about playing games online. Parents may, parents mainly play video games with children to connect with them. Come back to it. 20, 25% with partner. 20% play with partners online. Um, Relationship okay. building. Got to build them relationships. Uh, power of community is the next one. Two thirds have used walkthroughs, wikis, or forums to help their gameplay. I feel like that should be everyone. Some lie motherfuckers out there are like, no, I'm a yeah, real gamer. Never use a walkthrough. I never used a walkthrough. What are you saying? What are you trying to say? Never used a walkthrough. Well, the super casual people maybe don't need a Fuck it. Walkthrough. Uh, maybe never used a walkthrough. No, didn't need to. Didn't know how to. Didn't no, need a walkthrough for my Sudoku. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Uh, over half of players watch YouTube videos of gameplay. I mean, yeah, over half makes it, yeah. Uh, over one third have watched esports. Pretty good sign. Pretty good sign, yeah. Uh, of those, over one third watched to improve their own gameplay, and nearly a quarter watched to follow an esports team. 38% enjoy the culture of esports. I don't know what the culture, like in quotation marks, culture of esports means exactly. You know what I mean? Like, what's that? I guess they're into esports is what they're implying, I guess. Like they're part of that. Like you're a football fan or whatever, Mm. maybe. It's just because I'm like, I I don't know what, because esports is still like a new, a new, relatively new in the scheme of things, genre or whatever you want to call it. I'm like, what does the culture of that exactly mean? I don't really know. Um, Does it mean going down to fucking GGEs or wherever these bars in Melbourne and stuff and watching the, the latest league matches there. and You know what I mean? Like what does esports yeah. culture exactly pertain? I, I, it's an ever-growing and changing thing, I guess. Uh, power of creativity is the next thing we've got here. More than one quarter of players have shared videos of their own gameplay online. I would actually, th- I actually thought that number would be higher simply because the latest generation of consoles, including the Switch, offer you ways to save your gameplay and then quickly share it to Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Yeah. So it's I think not, if they include screen sh- screenshots, then yeah, it would it would be a lot higher. Yeah, probably. Yeah, because it's because it's like obviously PS3, Xbox generation, Wii U generation. Uh, if you were uploading gameplay online, you were having to buy an Elgato, buy a whatever to to to, to even be able to consider doing mm-hmm. that. But now with all the current gen consoles, they make it so much easier. Um, almost a quarter have complete have competed in esports. Of those, half compete because of social connections. A third compete because they enjoy the challenge. Now, once again, I don't just. Look I don't at know this. what the classification of esports is here. Exactly, I don't know what the classification is for esports because obviously not everyone have played in a like high level uh, tournament. Or does it? 
just mean a game that has, have you competed in a competition that is uh, an esports game? But even then, I'll say that's quite fucking high. Because I, I've said previously, back in the day, I had a League of Legends team. We would do training sessions. We had tournament matches that we would go play other teams and it, it was organized and there was rankings. I would say that if that should be like the bare minimum, I suppose, you know, because that was like a, a proper, we were doing like proper tournaments and, and stuff. But yeah. if, if, if the definition is you've simply played a ranked match of Overwatch, no, I don't think that's, you know, like, you know, <laughs> fucking yeah. everyone's all, all of a sudden into esports. Um, 28%, 28% participate in cosplay. That seems high. You reckon I'd say it seems low because I, f- I feel like there's so many fucking costumes that we see at every con. Yeah, but you're going to a con specifically with people who are inclined to be wearing yeah, cosplay. Fair. Again, it also depends on what you classify as cosplay. Although everything is cosplay, but if you're just throwing on a shirt with the, the same person from the game is wearing, is that cosplay? Well, if you say it is, I guess. I do. Yeah, I guess. If, if you took the effort, if it was a mental... Mental note. You to say, if it was a mental step of you being like, I'm doing this to dress up um counts i guess i want to um, know how many people over 65 are doing the cosplay how many oh <laughs> yeah we need more stats on this cos. we need breakdown on the cosplay stats more cosplay uh, stats next time please if you're listening uh power of living well 85 percent say video games can help thinking skills 74 percent say video games can help emotional well-being 66% say video games can help social well-being. 87% say video games may increase mental stimulation. 81% say video games may help fight dementia. 67% say video games may help maintain social connections. Any of those jumping out so far? I mean, they're all high and we all believe it, so it must be working. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking. That's why I'm just keep going. Uh, 73% say video games may improve life satisfaction. Ooh. Uh, 58% say video games may help manage pain. 84%, that's the lowest one we've had so far. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I guess it doesn't really. It's like keeping your mind but, off it, I for guess. For most people, it wouldn't be a thing, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 84% say video games may pr- promote general knowledge. 83% of players say video games can be effective in stress reduction. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's really anything to... to, to I, th- I think the that, last one was, is not entirely true because I've seen more, more people get more stressed from video games as well. I so. suppose it depends what you're playing. <laughs> <laughs> and how invested you are. If like... It, uh, well, I suppose like... Yeah. I suppose it depends on what type of person you are and how it works, I guess. Um... Power of education. Half of parents say their children's schools use video games for education. Uh, I'd believe that because even when I was in school, there wasn't like a heap of stuff, but there was still like a couple games on the computer that we would get told to play in primary school for like that would general teaching sort of stuff. You know what I mean? So I would I just assume that that sort of stuff is what education industries is continuing to build upon. It would make sense. Um, 61% of parents believe video games can be effective for, for learning STEM. Um, how many video games do you think teach you about science and stuff? Like proper mm. STEM industry. Not, I can't really. Not Portal. 
I mean, yeah, teach is about, you know. Half-life, if you, if, yeah. you, if you jump off somewhere really high. <laughs> it's physics. <laughs> it's physics. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, 61. I mean. Uh, um, oh, what's it called? Um, Surgeon Simulator 2018. Yeah, very realistic. <laughs> yeah. I suppose it is 61% of parents believe video games can be effective. I would agree that they could be effective, but I just can't think if, of many if, yeah. examples. If they made um, a game. They could yeah. be. Yes. Uh, 53% of parents believe video games can give students greater confidence at school. Uh, yeah, I would agree because I feel like if you have... If you've got you know, an awesome kill score, then you go in with a big... Feeling like you've got a big... <laughs> ego. A big dick. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, no, I just... like You know, there have been enough cases of hearing about people who have social anxiety who have used video games to overcome, like... Talking issues. to people online and whatever else. Yeah. So, yeah, sure. Um, 31% of adults have used games at work for health and safety training. Yeah, I can't think of any. Yeah. I don't think my workplace does anything like that. But yeah, Played one of those the dumb ways to die game. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know some industries, depending on what it is, it's like, you know, I, I think I saw something off a week about someone was doing like a forklift test, but before actually driving the proper forklift test, they had like a like a driving simulator, you know, like cut, whatever yeah. set up, like a forklift simulator I'm sure. thing. So. And like, like you go to flight school, you know, proper, the air yeah. pilots, they need to do, do simulations. That's a game. So that's Tom, how Tom Cruise learned. I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> Top Gun, Maverick, coming next year. Yeah. Uh, 29% have used video games that work for new skills training. Probably tries into what we're just talking mm-hmm. about. Uh, Are quizzes games? No. Well, no, it's a quiz. Come on. You're going to tell me every time I did a quiz at school, teacher should have been like, and now we're playing a game, kids. And the kids are like, yeah. And it's like, it's a quiz. (laughs) (laughs) So so Buzz wasn't a game? No, I don't. Well, I feel like there's a fine line. (laughs) That's a fine line. You're, You're... you're going to make some teachers very happy with what you're saying, but you're going to make some kids very annoyed. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, 61% of players say video games can be effective in motivating people to get fit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Especially about the, the rise of stuff. VR. The rise of VR. I fucking, I enjoy playing the, um, I enjoy playing a lot of the, like the beat one or whatever I've got on my, uh, my quest. Punch, punch one. Fuck, I can't remember the name of the fucking game. Box even, even Beat Saber, a lot of people use that. Like, yeah. the, the, You've read stories about people losing like 50 kilos and whatever, just playing nothing but Beat Saber for like a year. The, so. the guys over at, guys and gals over at Player 2, they did a big yeah. month. Did a month-long story about it. So, yeah. I, yeah, 100%. Uh, 60% say vid, uh, games promote student creativity. Uh, there's, well, the amount Hashtag of games dreams. these... Well, <laughs> dreams, but you know, any game with any sort of uh, player customization, Super Mario, even whatever else, all these games have you thinking creatively with what you're doing. So, yeah, hundred uh, percent. Power of economics is the last one we've got here. Three quarters of adults believe making video games in Australia benefits the economy. Uh, that is high, and it should be four out of. It should be. 100% of adults believe making video games in Australia benefits the economy. But you know who that last quarter is? Everyone that's involved in Australian parliament and politics. That's who that last quarter is. And that's why the Australian Games Fund doesn't exist anymore and doesn't isn't a thing because, yeah. 
because they don't believe the Australian games industry is going to help the is a beneficial thing for Australia or its economy or whatever. Uh, video game sales in Australia grew at a rate of fifteen percent between two thousand and two two thousand thirteen and two thousand eighteen. I don't know where they track those numbers from, though. Is that physical only? I presume it's physical only. So the death of the retail industry isn't happening if they've grown 15%, I guess. I don't know. That's an interesting stat that I would like to know more about, I guess. Statistics, yeah. Yeah. Australian video game retail industry sales in 2013 were $2.4 billion. In 2018, total retail industry sales for video games were $4.3 billion. So... There you go. In 2018, digital sales reached 2.85 billion. So it's a booming industry, and it would be a really bad idea for the Australian government to <laughs> money into it. Uh, 65% have made in-game purchases for themselves. That number is actually lower than what I thought it would be. To be completely honest, I feel like the, the, the amount of games that have microtransactions these days... I feel like everyone, I honestly, I feel like if anyone thought about it, they'll probably be like, yeah, I have made a microtransaction in insert thing. You know, like I feel like everyone's at least dropped a couple dollars on some random mobile game or Fortnite or, you know what I mean? Like something. Yeah. Someone's dropped a couple dollars here, here or there. No, it just looks whatever. like 35% of people have will control or cheap. They're fucking liars is what they are. Um, <laughs> 40% have made in-game purchases for others. Don't know. How many uh, is that knowingly? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> now, I don't know if there was any thing. Like, if, you, if I look at this, there's the, the only other thing left on this was the big chart, and it covers some of the same stats, although some of them I think were a little bit different. So it's like the power of creativity on the big chart they have here says 27% post gameplay videos. Um, I think it's all no. basically the same though. Yeah, yep. basically the same. All right, so yeah, that is the IGA uh, digital 2020 report, the power of games put together by, uh, well, read I've got names here. Okay, I can read people's names. I've got authors and stuff and stuff here. Good job. Jeffrey E. Brand, John Jervis, Patrice M. Huggins, Tyler Wilson, Raylene Knowles, Raylene Knowles, sorry, and, uh, you know, all part of the IGA, IGEA, which you can find at IGEA.net, and you can read the full report for yourself and do what you need to do there. Uh, it's quite interesting if you want to look at the full thing, of course, um, or you, you're like, nah, you, you, you've covered it. I'll be like, cool. Yeah, yeah cool. I Glad we you. did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we did. I find it interesting. Um, I like stats. I like these things, especially about the Australian industry. Okay, thank you for joining us on the couch this week. Make sure you check out explosionnetwork.com for all our other shows, reviews, news articles, and much more. You can review RK Couch on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser to help out with the show or simply review the episode on social media. Tell us you loved it and we'll retweet it. And that's a good way to help out with the show as well. well. Uh, You can follow Explosion Network on Twitter at ExplosionPod and you can join our Discord at explosionnetwork.com slash Discord and you can talk to us there. You can follow me on Twitter at VivaLadil, V-I-V-A-L-A-D-I-L. You can follow Ash on Twitter at Ashley Hobby, A-S-H-L-E-Y-H-O-B-L-E-Y. And we'll see you here, same time, same couch.
next week. I purposely fucked it up just to fuck with Shuri. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>